0: that this is really just a substitute and in no way should forsake the uh, gathering together of the local church body. We believe that the local church is God's plan A in speaking of the gospel. So please come hang out with us here at rest um, this Sunday morning with us or um, go find another Bible-believing church. Jesus is preparing the church um, that's close to you. I mean, he's challenged you to get plugged in there. Um, Jesus loves the church, and we love Jesus, and we believe that we can love Jesus better by being locally connected and serving her well. So um, just jump right in with us, and we're glad you're here.
1: How's this? Okay. I thought it sounded weird, but this is a new headset. Uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to take it off. I'm but anyway if you're here today I need you to raise your hand please excellent um this is what I want to do it is somebody's birthday today and I keep getting reminded and he's sitting back there um everyone say happy birthday Cole, happy birthday, Cole! there I remembered okay and now it'll be uh, forever on uh, line so that's great hey, bear with me just a sec I'm gonna get this off Not awkward at all. Yay. Okay, freedom. Okay, so I have a gift for you guys. Um, and it actually works really well because we have the AC that is out on the second floor. And as temps are rising, I hopefully will have a shorter sermon for you today. You're welcome hopefully, uh, unless the Holy Spirit takes this thing over. But um, this sermon today, um, I mean, I just, I plan on teaching it. We're going through first and second Timothy, and I'm having a ball doing it and and learning so much from it. But you have to know that like this um, preaching schedule has been in place for a while, and the, and the, the, the sermons are just following where they are just randomly, but the sermon that I am preaching today was for me, um, not just for me, but for me to communicate to certain people here. Um, so I really need you guys to pay attention, and that, like with the words that, that you're hearing me say, I pray that it is the Lord speaking uh, through me, and, and I pray that it encourages you, okay? So... Paul wrote his first letter to Timothy, his child in the faith, while traveling, hoping to see him soon. Okay, so his his circumstances really weren't that bad. And his focus was on the nature and the practice of the church, um, addressing ministerial offices, widows, public worship, and really how Timothy was supposed to operate, um, how the church was supposed to operate there in Ephesus, uh, in a climate very much like we have here today. But then we go into 2 Timothy, In Paul's circumstances, if forget a mic drop, I'm going to do a mic throw. (laughs) John, where'd you go? Do you want to get the batteries in this thing for when you come back up, somebody? I'm going to put it right here. And I pray the Holy Spirit leads you to come get it. It could be awkward coming down in front. Let me tell you, there you go. That's my boy right there. Okay. <laughs> Juice on this one looks good. Okay. May I, I, <laughs> there has been a war going on this morning. Um, and, and I don't I'm gonna pause here for a second. The songs that we sang today are not random. And if you've noticed, it talked about the suffering part. Uh, but then the cool part is, is it, as it progresses, it goes from us suffering to God showing up to help us. And that's really the core of this message today, and great great song choices today, guys. But So, so 2 Timothy, Paul is writing from prison, and his focus changes. Um, his, he has different circumstances. Paul is now in prison when he writes his child in the faith. But he did not allow his circumstances to hinder his message. Not only did it not hinder his message, it fueled his faith. I mean, like, Paul is on fire in 2 Timothy. So, so what we're going to do is we're going to break that down. Um, there, there are seven parts to 2 Timothy, and it's broken down this way. One, it's the making of a gospel-centered leader. Second is gospel-centered bravery. Three is images of endurance. Four, images of a faithful teacher. Five, godly examples. Six, faithful to the Word. And then seven, faithful to the end. So today, we are going to be looking at Second Timothy 1, 8 through 12a. Uh, and Adam, I'm not going to be getting on B. That, that one's all yours. So I'm just hitting A today. Um, so, so I ask this question because these writings are 2,000-some-odd years old. How is this relevant to us today and guys i can tell you through current climate and situations this couldn't be more relevant or encouraging so so we already know that paul's in prison when he wrote this and by the end of his second letter like he knew that he was going to be executed i mean he he knew that and yet his message and effectiveness are not hindered um you know, last week, Cody opened us up in Second Timothy, verses 1 through 7, and, and just Paul really packed so much in there, and Cody did a great job delivering it. It was expanding your gift, and so now Paul is shifting to his focus, something that you and I probably don't want to talk about, and it's suffering. And at one point, I'm probably going to lose it up here, but it's suffering. Because I can tell you... That when you are dealt a blow in life, death, sickness, divorce, job loss, whatever, your motivation, your dedication, your drive, and your performance can be assassinated if you are immature or shallow in the faith. However, if your roots grow deep, your negative circumstances can fuel your passion, And add depth and heart to your ministry, whatever that may be, as you flex your faith and trust in the gospel. So the main idea is this. Again, Paul's in prison, finding grace in a prison cell. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for the opportunity uh, to come here this morning and, and to bring your word. I pray that it does not fall on deaf ears, but for the ears that are here that this message from you is intended for, I pray that they be opened. I pray that hearts would be softened to receive this message and that the truth of your gospel will take root and that the roots of faith would grow so that when things turn bad, Father, that faith remains. God, I give you this time. I give you myself, Lord, speak this morning. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're going to go ahead and we're going to read these um, four and a half verses. That's not a whole lot. Four and a half verses, and then we'll break this down. So 2 Timothy 1, 8 through 12. A. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in the suffering of the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing. Of our Saviour Jesus Christ, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. There there is something here that, you know, in, in preparation and really in a lot of times passing of me studying is 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 a um, a word that I breeze right over. And it's the gospel. You know, we know that the gospel is good news. But, man, the gospel is so much more than just good news. And so what we're going to do is we're going to briefly look at what the gospel is. And we have got to keep that in mind as we're reading this passage in 2 Timothy. So let's, so let's break this down. So let's first uh, understand what the gospel is. So what is the gospel? The gospel is Christological. It is all about Christ, There is no gospel apart from Jesus. Jesus is the hero of the gospel. So the gospel is biblical. God has presented the saving work of Jesus in the scriptures and they are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. There are answers there. There is faith to be found there. The gospel is historical. Christ appeared in human history and will come again to usher in his heavenly kingdom. The gospel is doctrinal. We as believers hold fast the wonderful truths of the gospel. This is the truths of the gospel. Something that's been given to us or something for someone who does not yet believe is available to them. And it's this. There is a promise of life. A promise Not a reward for works, a promise. Life eternal. There is sovereign grace. There's Christ's victory of death. The spirit's indwelling. The person and the work of Christ. Election, glorification, union with Christ, repentance and future reward. The gospel is personal. It's a message of of salvation and hope. the gospel's practical to the believer it is a reminder of our position before the father and what position is that i used to think that he was really doing me a favor by, by letting me believe in him and by him saving me he was doing me like a huge favor i really didn't deserve it but that's cool cuz you know i get it, i get to get out of hell and into heaven With him, but it's not that at all. Because of what Jesus did when he looks at me, he sees me as righteous as he himself is righteous. For he made him who knew knew no sin to become sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That is our position before the Father. To the believer, it's our our present power, our eternal future. And the gospel gives us strength To endure suffering and trials. So, now that we have a decent grasp on the gospel, let's go ahead and break down 2 Timothy Uh, 1 8A only. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me his prisoner. First, first and foremost, we are not to be ashamed of the gospel. Our witness is not a repre- representing an idea, choice, or a choice, so- or a society, but it's the truth. I said it today in our little worship meeting. This thing that we are attaching ourselves to, regardless how we feel, is the truth. And regardless what happens in life, that truth remains truth, regardless of my feelings. So first, we must not be ashamed of the gospel. So, so Paul and Timothy are dealing much as much of uh, the same stuff that we do now. Uh, different religions, different beliefs, and then mockers of Christianity, Christianity and the cross. And this has been happening since the crucifixion. I'm not going to put up this image, but... There, there is this sketch. It is the earliest known sketch of the crucifixion. It's from Rome, and it's called Alexamenos Graffito. And it almost looks like a, uh, uh, almost looks like a, a middle schooler drew it. But it is this man with the head of a donkey nailed to a cross, while this person is looking at it, and it was making fun of the cross. Like this, is, this is nothing new. And this will continue to the end. And so as I was, I was writing this, and I have known this, but I want you guys to know too, is there is something that we need to realize. There is no neutral ground. You are either for him or you're against him. Period. I don't want to get ahead of myself. i got some verses. But if you are not for him, you are against him. There is no neutral ground. And then I love this. One of my favorite verses, um, Romans 5.10. This isn't up there. I'll just tell you what it is. It says, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. For if while we were enemies... I mean, how how many of you felt like an enemy of Jesus before you met him? I, I sure didn't. But if you're not for him, you're against him. For while you were enemies, he saved you. In our ignorance, we were enemies. So, moving along, don't be ashamed of your Lord. One of the most prevalent worldviews is this it's moralistic, therapeutic deism. A belief that if people do good, that if they feel good and they believe in some God, it doesn't matter what God that is, that there is a heaven waiting for them. There's also an idea that bad people, sinful people need a savior, is viewed as ignorant and primitive. And foolish. Man, Satan is at work. So, like, hear me. I've read the whole story. I know what's coming. There will continually be the introduction of new false religions. And there will continually be the evolution of thwarted Christianity, which is not Christianity at all. Um... Any message denying Christ, Jesus as the Christ, is from demons. I'm going to read you a few verses. You can go ahead and get ready. I'm going to fly through these. 1 John 4, 1 through 3. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and is now in the world already. 1 Timothy 4.1, Now the Spirit, the Holy Spirit expressly states, in later times some will abandon the faith and follow deceitful spirits in the teaching of demons. Matthew 7, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. And finally this, John fourteen six. Jesus said to him, I am the way, and the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So, are you starting to see it, like with all these religions that are available today? That you're not just choosing a group, you are choosing one of two things. The truth, a lie, period. You're either believing the truth or a lie. So, first, do not be ashamed of the gospel and do not be ashamed of your Lord. So there's a second exhortation, and it is suffer for the gospel. And this is the part that really hits home. So at this point in his letter, Paul shifts to suffering as he himself is suffering. We're going to break this down. is how we suffer, why we suffer, and when we can expect to suffer. It's pretty terrible that I have to cover suffering. Okay, so how we suffer. I'll go ahead and put up uh, verse 1-8, be there. Okay. So, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. So we are not ashamed. We are not. We must also not be unashamed of the gospel. We should join in the suffering for the gospel. The, the way in which we suffer is by the power of God because we are inherently weak, and then when we are weak, Jesus is strong. He provides us with the strength that we need to get through it. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10 says this, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities for when I am weak, then I am strong. Who here, don't, don't raise, raise your, your hands. hands. Who here is suffering right now? I know of some. When, when your faith grows and the roots of it grow deep, when that suffering starts, your feelings are going to get jacked. But your faith remains. Because regardless how that tree blows, it is secure. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Jesus is enough. Okay. So it's human nature to be self-reliant. Like for me personally, like asking for help is one of the hardest things that I ever have to do. I was going to tell you a story, but it's not relevant, so I'm going to keep going. But we are reminded to let ourselves become weak. We are reminded to get ourselves out of the way and to let Jesus really show up and do his thing because apart from him, we can do nothing. But with him, he can do anything through us. And this is, this is key. We must abide in him. We must remain in him. We must rely on him, and we will experience his supernatural strength through us. So I'm telling you, if you are suffering, you spend time with him. You grow with him and let him do his thing through you. Why we suffer. Believe it or not, the reason that you are suffering, whether it's with your family whether it's with your job or whether it's with your health, it's the gospel. We suffer because of the gospel. And I'm here to tell you, regardless, the gospel is worth it. The good news is worth it. Okay, throw up the slides. It's uh, 9 through 12, 8 please, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, For which I'm appointed a preacher, an apostle, and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. The reason that Paul was willing to give up his life. Now, mind you, when he is writing this letter, he knows what's coming. But the reason he is willing is because he believes the gospel is worth it, and he believes that Jesus is worth it. Paul found Jesus to be more desirable, enjoyable, and more beautiful than anything else. And this is why he felt dying himself was gain. You know, religious people find God useful. Cross-bearing disciples find him beautiful. That's a gut check for me. Oh, Lord, here comes this person. I'm thinking work, not church. Give me the words to say. Like, God, it's my Swiss Army knife. I'm sorry. I don't mean to do that. But we can endure suffering when we see Jesus as Paul did because he is worth it. And then this is why Paul suffered. The greatness of God and salvation. So... There's three phases in this passage that, can, that capture God's great work of salvation from beginning to end. One, he saved us, called us, brought us to life, and immortality to light. In his sovereign grace, God rescues sinners from the awful condition and places them into his kingdom forever. There's a sermon right there, but let's keep going. He sanctifies us. He calls us to live holy lives, um, but he doesn't leave us alone to do it. So he calls us to be holy as he is holy. How easy does that sound? Well, if you're studying his word, you'll know this. You'll know that it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work, for his good good pleasure. He calls it to live a holy life, but he's like, bro, you abide in me, and I will live that life through you. Finally, he glorifies us. The immortality he gives us is not just eternal life. But we know that Jesus, the Son of Man, was glorified and is in a resurrected body that's super cool. So not only, will, not only do we step out of eternal death into eternal life, he will give us an eternal body that's like his. When I see him, I'll be like him because I'll see him as he is. This is why Paul suffered also the grace of God and salvation. He saved us not because of anything that we did, not because of anything that we can do or will do, but he saves us by his grace. Ephesians 2.8 and 9, you can look it up. Guys, Jesus plus anything ruins everything. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And then finally, the ground of our salvation. Our salvation is rooted in the person of Jesus. In the finished work of Christ. So, and this is the when. This is the when we should expect suffering. As we make the gospel known. When you follow Jesus, when you begin to follow him, expect temptation when you speak the truth expect adversity when you do the Lord's work expect trials and distractions when you live the Christian life expect war I'm dead serious You know, Jesus never promised prosperity to his followers, never. But he did say this. He's like, listen, the world is going to hate you. Just don't worry about it because they hated me first. They hate you because of me. And he did give us one promise, though. As we as believers are going through this suffering, he said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will always be there but we can have blinders on to where we can't see it because we've got to remain in him. So So you may not be in prison. You may not ever see prison. This doesn't mean that you won't experience suffering. You know, it may come in the form of ridicule. It may come in the form of a broken home. And it may come in the form of uh, death or even just an illness that you have to live with. What we have got to open our eyes to is this. These things that we're dealing with is not just circumstances, but this is war. The things that you are dealing with is war. We've got to get to the point to when we receive the suffering, we know and should be encouraged that we're on the right path. Because I can tell you, if you're not a threat, the devil is going to leave you alone. But when you are a threat, you can expect the fight to come to your doorstep. So I mentioned this earlier. When you are dealt a blow in life death, sickness, divorce, job loss your motivation, your dedication, your drive, And your performance can be assassinated if your faith is immature or shallow. Yeah, that was your cue. That was it. Perfect. Um, However, if the roots of your faith grow deep, your negative circumstances can fuel your passion, add depth and heart to your ministry, as you flex your faith and trust in the gospel. So, uh, Hebrews 11.1 1 tells us what faith is. It says, it is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. The faith, is, the faith that you have is not something that you have to activate. The faith that you have is something that will just show up when that wall is broken down of yours. <laughs> this faith is key. And so I ask myself, like, like how does, how does how do someone like I, how does someone like me like, actually get faith? Like, like how can I be given faith? This is not something that you do yourself. What you need to do is you need to pursue the heart of the God that gave you the scriptures. And as you're pursuing him, he gives you faith. So that when everything starts to fall apart in your life, and the wind starts to blow, and that tree is about to break, it stands because of faith. So while we may not be in prison, we are desperately relying on God's grace. Desperately, in the midst of our struggle. This is the part where I'm probably gonna lose it a little bit, not like crazy. But as the leader of my family, this message was for me more than it was for you, except for those people here that are suffering, and you know who you are. I'm supposed to learn from this. And hopefully you are too. But I'm speaking you these words to encourage you. Jesus never said it would be easy, but he said he would be with you. He would be there with you. You know it's um it's easy and it's probably natural. I can't see my freaking though. It is easy, because of the sin in this body, to blame God for the hand that we got dealt. And it's okay to feel that way. And it's easy to blame Him for the things that just aren't fair. But to our families, we have fathers. And to the church, we as pastors, like we have a goal, we have a hope. And that goal and the hope is this, that we can get you to a place in your faith so that when life throws you a fast pitch and it hits you in the chest, you can flex your faith and know that God is still good. The person here today you know who you are he's suffering right now the devil is trying to break your faith and it breaks my heart to watch you have no idea fight the good fight and press on. I'm almost done. The song that we're about to sing is it as well, man. And it couldn't have been more fitting. Because it's a song about suffering. And you probably, you may have heard it before, but it's about this guy named Horatio. So a long time ago after he um, had lost several children in a shipwreck, he wrote this. What you may not know is how much he had lost before that he invested most of what he had in a real estate business he lived in Chicago and the great fire destroyed his home they didn't have insurance, lost everything including his son so so he put his wife and their four remaining daughters on a boat back to England and he stayed behind for the business there was a shipwreck, and his wife ended up sending him a telegram with just the words, Saved alone. What shall I do? All four of his daughters were lost. So he gets on a ship, and when he is about to go to the same place in the ocean where his daughters drowned, he writes this When peace like a river attends my way, when sorrows sorrows like sea billows roll. Whatever my lot you've taught me to say, it is well with my soul. Do you see that your suffering is meant to kill your faith? Because if you're walking the path, you are an enemy to the devil. And he is going to fight you, and he's going to try to murder your faith. Stay strong. Fight the good fight and press on. Find grace in your prison cell.